Farmers in the Harvest. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Now, your host, Kevin Fulcher. This is Kevin Folger, and this is Laborers in the Harvest podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and I uh, hope that you become one of our regular listeners. If you haven't already done so, we want to encourage you to subscribe so that each week as we put out a new episode, you'll be one of the first to receive it into your podcast, however you get it. We're on Apple and Blaster and Google. So again, we uh, hope that you'll be one of those folks, and let me mention also Spotify. So again, we're on a number of different venues. We hope that you'll become a regular listener. The purpose of our podcast, of course, is to talk about those who God has called to labor in his harvest. And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in our, on our episode, we mentioned that we're all, in a sense, called to uh, share the gospel with everyone. Uh, you don't have to be in full-time ministry to do that, but we're primarily trying to encourage folks who are thinking about or perhaps perceive that God is calling them into ministry as well as others. And so I'm glad to have a guest with me. Um, last week when I was talking to Pastor Dan Novi from the Grand River Baptist Church and interviewing him for the podcast, I mentioned the name Frank Suglio because Frank uh, was a direct uh, piece of fruit spiritually as a result of Dan uh, moving back to Cleveland and the work that God has done in his life. And so I want to welcome to our podcast today, Frank. Frank, thanks for being here. Well, thanks, Pastor. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Well, I, we're going to just jump right into it. We're not going to waste a whole lot of time. And um, I, I think your testimony is fascinating. Um, first of all, let me just simply say for our, our listeners, they're not seeing you. Many of you, them perhaps have not ever met you. And uh, when I think about Frank, I think about what I call a mountain of a man. And uh, Frank, how tall are you? Six foot five. Six foot five. And he's about as broad as he is tall. He's just a big guy. And uh, just uh, played football, I think, and um, that kind of thing. And so uh, he's, uh, he's the type of guy that when he walks into a room, you know he's there. And uh, so I, I still remember um, when I was pastoring here at Cleveland Baptist, uh, meeting Frank for the very first time. But Frank, let's jump into it. And uh, would you share just uh, you know your testimony very briefly, if you would, okay? Sure. Well, um, a- as you mentioned, and for a while there at Cleveland Baptist, I was pretty much known as the big guy that comes on Wednesday nights because I was only coming <laughs> on Wednesday nights. And actually, I don't know if you remember, but when I was when I finally did trust Christ and, and presented myself for baptism, I, you you made the comment as you were you were you know presenting me to the congregation that you just love having big guys around makes you feel more secure. And so uh, that that was I must be because I'm insecure. I don't know. <laughs> And so basically, I was born and raised Catholic, and so... Um, here in Cleveland. Here in Cleveland, yeah. Okay. Born and raised in Cleveland. I lived here up until after, you know, up until my salvation. I had not left Cleveland as far as living uh, goes. And so we were born and raised Catholic, uh, came from a very moral household, went to Catholic school. So I had a knowledge of God. If you asked me if I believed in God, I would say yes. If you asked me if I trusted Christ, I'd say yes. Uh, if you asked me if I believed the Bible was 100% the Word of God, I would say yes. But I didn't understand salvation. I never even heard the gospel plan. Mm. And so uh, decisions in life had led me, you know, down a very dark path. My wife and I were separated. Um, you know, really, I was just really questioning everything. And, and and many times throughout my life, I had always tried to go back to church, but it was always the Catholic church. And so, you know, the same thing would always end up happening, that eventually I would just lose interest and kind of, you know, slide away. And so at this point, my children were young. My, my son was just a baby, and my daughter was two years old. 
And I really had given up hope on myself. I thought that I was unsavable. I didn't know that there was, you know, no such thing as anybody being unsavable, that anybody, you know, God's grace was sufficient for all. And so I didn't know that. And so I thought that I was pretty much a lost cause, but I was worried about my kids. And so I set out on a mission to try to find the church that Jesus started. I said, I don't understand. If Jesus started one church all these years ago, how do we have what we have now with so many different versions so of the Bible? So let me stop for just a moment. Was there anything in particular that kind of precipitated that other than the, the fact that you had kids but what did something happen just the, what, what precipitated a, a thought I'm, I'm gonna find the church that Jesus started well because I knew that um, you know my life was in shambles because mm-hmm. something was missing okay. you know I, at that point in my life I had everything the world said you needed to be happy I had and you were part of a business. You and your dad worked a concrete business together, cement business. Yes. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, money. You know, all of the, all of the, all of the toys that they say you need to have to, to enjoy life. I had, and it always just left me empty. And so I knew that there was something missing. I knew that there was something missing out of Catholicism. I didn't know anything though. I didn't. I never read the Bible. I never even had. We never had a Bible even in the house. Hmm. And so I knew that there was something missing, and and I knew that you know, Jesus started a church, but we have all of what we have. Something not everybody could be right. You know, they could everybody could all be wrong, but not everybody can be right. And I and I and, and it was like, you know, I didn't I guess it was the Holy Spirit that you would say, you know, prompted me to the point of that I knew that truth had to be out there. It's just a matter of, of, of doing the diligence to try to find it. Okay. So you were on this mission. So where did Dan and how did that work? How did that happen to plug in? Well, so so Dan moved across the street from me when I was five years old. So we were childhood friends. But he had moved away and we I don't want to say we ever lost touch because we were always, you know, close. I mean, when I was, I was five years old when I met him, so it's, you know, almost like a brother. And so we would always call each other on holidays and birthdays and things like that. And so I, I didn't even know that he, you know, had moved back because it kind of happened pretty abruptly. And so while, while the Lord was working on me, he was working on Dan as well. Um, and so I started going to different churches and I would go to different, well, one of each different denomination, anything close to, to where, you know, this area is, Middleburg Heights, Brook Park, anywhere in there. And I'd say it was probably a few months into that search that I actually randomly ran into Danny uh, at, a, at, a, at a stoplight. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were stopped at stoplights. We kind of looked over and recognized each other. And so we ended up pulling over and getting something to eat and talking. And I, he was you know, just, just in the conversation of what was going on. And I explained that, you know, my wife and I were separated and, and you know, probably heading towards divorce. And, um, you know, and I talked about, you know, going to different churches and stuff and, and trying to figure out this whole thing. I had no idea that he had surrendered to ministry and was coming here and going to the Bible Institute. So he gave me a gospel track and he invited me to, to church here. And I thought, well, I'm going to other churches anyway, so why not? And, and I was really intrigued because it was a Wednesday night service. So this could help me kind of speed up my process, right? I can go out on Wednesday and then go to other churches mm-hmm. on Sunday. And so he invited me to come and, and uh, you know, I agreed to do so. And I remember, you know, we met in the parking lot. I was kind of scared to death, you know, just to even go in here. And so we met in the parking lot and he walked in with me. And I remember, you know, as we were walking in and getting introduced to some people, you know, just those those nerves kind of went away because I just saw how genuine people were. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, as a, as a lost man and living you know as worldly as can be I, I knew that there was something different about this place you know again I had been to different churches I had been, had many services I never heard the gospel and I never met people that were so truly genuine you know and had and it just had a joy about them and again of course we know that the joy unspeakable uh, of of salvation and the Holy Spirit and I, I, I don't know I didn't know what it was but I said there's something different about this place and these people I don't know what it is but I want it you know I want to have what that is and so that night 
um, you know, I, I had in the process of all of this started studying some church history and I got a Bible for the first time in my life and started reading it, only I couldn't read it. I would literally read the same portion of scripture over and over and over again because I just couldn't understand what it was. And so when, when we sat down that night, and I remember even asking somebody prior to, like, should I bring my Bible? And kind of them like laughing, like, yes, you're going to want your Bible, you know, at that church. And so, you know, we, we sat down and you, you got up to preach and you said, open your Bibles. And we opened them up and, and we read it. And you literally, you know, in, in the expository style of preaching and teaching that we do here, you read through it and this is what it says and then this is what it means and because of what it means this is how it ought to affect our lives mm-hmm. and i mean i was just blown away not only uh, at the message itself but just the, the fact that every word that on my own i would struggle with and reading in the morning the last three months when you came across a word that i was struggling with you would actually stop and and and, and define the word mm-hmm. and so i'm like this is great even though i was reading an english version of the bible i felt like you were translating it for me mm-hmm. and i was blown away and i heard the gospel plan you know that evening and i remember thinking it can't be that simple you know anything that too good to be true is usually is and <laughs> there has to be so, true <laughs> and there has to be something else to it and so the service ended and then you know danny and i sat and we talked and he shared the gospel plan with me again you know and again it was exactly the same thing that i heard but i just remember thinking you know it, it can't be, just be that simple and he taught, mentioned trusting christ and i said well i've always trusted christ mm-hmm. you know and so Really, through that whole process, I went through several phases. So, so first of all, the first thing I came to the realization of just in studying that either the Catholic Church was accurate or, and I won't say all Baptist churches because there's a lot of people that use the name Baptist mm-hmm. that really aren't right. Baptist churches, but, but New Testament, uh, biblical Baptist churches, one of the two were right because they were on opposite ends of the spectrum. And everywhere else that I went fell somewhere in between, yeah. you know, doctrinally and things like that. And so I, at that point, I swore off going to any other church other than the Catholic Church every Sunday and Cleveland Baptist every Wednesday. And I did that for about a year and a half. And, of course, my, my daily devotions, you know, were, were much better after coming here. And nobody really knew what I was doing. I mean, you were preparing to preach to a whole congregation, so it's not like you thought, well, I'm, this is going to be for the Catholic guy that's sitting there. But it was just over and over again, I kept on, you know, hearing a message right out of the Bible that was contrary to what was being taught at the Catholic Church. So what was it about Catholicism, just because you were raised in it, that kind of kept you going back there for that year and a half? Yeah, and and so, you know, I, I never understood why the separation of church and state was so important. I just thought it was a good way to keep, you know, government and politics out of the church house. But really, truly, the, you know, the other end of that is also the fact that, you know, there's so many people that are, 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 are tied to Catholicism because they think it's part of their heritage. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm of Italian descent, so Roman Catholic and Italian, almost like saying if I'm not Catholic anymore, then I'm not Italian anymore. So there's a, there's a family pull there as well because yeah. your family, even though your parents aren't really what we call practicing Catholics, mm-hmm. You pinned them down. They'd say, "Well, yeah, we're part of the Roman yeah. Catholic Church." Correct? Yes, absolutely. And, and there's there's a sense of pride in that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So okay, all right. So tell us about the day that you got saved. I'm going to kind of uh, kind of take a couple minutes. We'll wrap that up, and then we'll pick that up uh, from there on the next episode. So kind of bring us to that point of, of making the decision to trust Christ. Sure. And so I went through, like, throughout that whole time. Again, you're talking about probably about a year and a half where I exclusively came here in the Catholic Church. Uh, in that time, I went from, as I said early on, thinking that I was unsavable, mm-hmm. to then thinking, well, if what they're saying is true, and I believe it, because every question I ever had for anybody who I would ask questions, was always the answer always came right out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, if they're, what they're saying is true, and I believe it is because, re- I mean, you're giving me Bible verses saying what the plan of salvation is. You're not just giving me your opinion. 
then I must already be saved, and maybe I just, you know, was being so bad that I didn't feel like I was saved anymore. Mm -hmm. Because I had no clue exactly, you know, the difference between uh, a head knowledge and a heart knowledge of, of right. Christ and, and that relationship. And so I went from I went from thinking that I, I could not be saved to I must already be saved to then just the Holy Spirit conviction knowing that I needed to be saved. Okay. But even that, the the pool of, again, just Catholicism and being raised in a hardworking family and starting to work from a young age, I thought, okay, I understand, and I, I, I believe that what they're saying is true. You know, salvation is by grace, through faith, no works involved, but you have to be good enough to, to, to be able to get that. And so I was trying to clean up things in my life to make myself acceptable to Christ. Okay. Well, you know, as I said, we're going to, uh, so what exactly when and, and how, and was it at, in a church service that you came forward? Did you do it at home that you came to that end? And then you finally just got the realization that you needed Christ. Yeah. So, so, so from the time I said, well, I got to make myself good enough. I got to clean myself up. Mm. So Christ could accept me. It was probably about two months. And those were the most miserable months of my life. Mm. And, and, and in the past, I always, you know, was one that prided myself on strong willpower and being able to stop doing this or start doing this. And it was like, no matter what I was trying, the things that the Holy Spirit was convicting me about, um, I couldn't stop doing. And it got, I got to the end of myself. I mean, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it was, it was, uh, April 11th, 2011. And I believe it was after a church service. And, and I don't remember who preached or what the message was that night, but I just remember I couldn't sleep and I used to have real bad anxiety. So that wasn't, that wasn't unnatural for me. And I remember being so miserable. And of course I didn't know the scriptures as I know them now, and I would never say this, you know, at this point, but I said, hell can't be worse than this. I'm just in complete agony, mm -hmm. you know, at this point where I'm separated from my family. I'm living in my, my childhood bedroom at my parents' house because, you know, things had just gotten so bad. And I literally just sat there and I said, God, I don't, I don't understand, you know, either show me what's, what, you know, what this is or, or just kill me because I can't take this anymore. I can't keep on failing over and over and mm -hmm. over again. Mm -hmm. and, and so I was up, you know. 12 turned into one, two, three. And, and at some point I must've dozed off and I had a dream and I didn't get saved in the dream, of course, but in that dream, the Lord made salvation, which seemed so difficult for me to grasp, very simple. Hmm. And, and, and in that process of that dream, um, it, I came to the realization of, Hey, there's nothing you could do. There's nothing good in and of yourself. There's no way you could do any of this on your own. It's only by what he did and only by trusting in wow. him and doing it his way. And I remember waking up and finally getting it, you know, the, the, yeah. it went from here to here. And I understood that, that I just had to put all my faith and trust in Christ. And I said, you know, God, I know I don't deserve salvation. I know I deserve hell, but if you'll accept me, you know, please be, be the Lord of my life, come into my heart and be, and save me. And, and it was like the weight of the world was lifted at that point. Mm -hmm. And then in the next four months, anything that I couldn't give up, you know, or start doing that I thought, you know, was convicted I should be doing, all those things were able to happen uh, because of the Holy Spirit working mm -hmm. in my life. That is so awesome. Well, that's a great testimony. We're going to cut it off there today and uh, want to say thank you to our listeners. And again, uh, we want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to subscribe. And if you uh, want to leave a comment, please do so. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, also, uh, our announcer will mention the website, kevinfolger.com. We'd encourage you to go there. Uh, just uh, put up some new stuff here recently and want to encourage uh, folks to, to uh, visit that. And uh, once again, we want to say thanks for being a listener. And uh, we hope that you'll join us again for our next episode of Labors in the Harvest. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you have been encouraged by today's podcast. If you have been helped, 
we want to encourage you to subscribe and to share. Please feel free to leave us a comment. If you want to know more about Kevin Folger and the ministry, please visit his ministry at kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us again next time for more Laborers in the Harvest. Thank you.